Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is the Runner's World podcast. You're listening to the Runner's World podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. This week, we're speaking with Bella Mackey about running and mental health. I think people with mental health stuff get really good at keeping it a secret. With running, because I'm obviously a huge evangelical about it, but I have to always do the caveat of do not just try running. What running gives me, which I assume even at the beginning is, is something that I understood it might be able to offer, was basically the chance to get away, like run away. Yeah, very excited to have Bella on the podcast. I think one of the nicest parts of, of working for Runners World is that we get loads and loads of stories about how running's improved people's mental health. Um, and it feels like a really great subject to discuss just before Christmas as well, which I think it can be a challenging time for a lot of people. Um, yeah, I think that's important to, to know. I, I was reading the other day about, you know, all the festive period and how it gets sort of extra egg, egged on to be like this for big sure. family time of year and stuff. And it's actually... it's. You know, that's very true for a large number of people, but it's also important to note that it's not necessarily the nicest time for a lot of people. Definitely, yeah. I think it shines a spotlight on your own particular situation. Yeah, very much so. And if that's a great situation, then it's probably the most amazing time of year. But if it's not, then it kind of intensifies those feelings. Yeah, yeah. so it's nice to sort of um, have a conversation about that and, and allow people to maybe, or certainly encourage people to reach out to others um, and extend that festive spirit to try and sort of make it a bit more of a, a nice time for everyone. Agreed, agreed. Let me quickly bore you with my mild training. <laughs> okay, fine. So I've been cracking on with this. I have to say, the Christmas period is not the ideal no. time to, to go into an intense training <laughs> schedule. <laughs> what do you mean? All the delicious, you know, uh, highly nutritious... Yeah, it's, it's a lot of temptations, aren't there? But yeah. I've, I've stuck to it fairly well, actually. So this week's session is... Uh, it's weird, actually. It's one times 400 metres. Okay. This is all at a kind of five-minute mile pace. Right. One times 400 metres, 30 seconds rest, mm-hmm. one times 900 metres. Whoever, whoever, yeah. whoever runs that, 60 seconds rest, okay. and then one times 300 metres. Okay. That's it. That's your one session? That's it. So it's super intense, but it's over very quickly. So this is the beauty of the mild training, Ben, is that mm. it's hard, but it's that's 15 minutes But away. honestly, that so that first 400 will feel very easy, and then I reckon 600 into that next rep. Oh, oh that's awful. It's going to be bad, that, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's... Yeah, I mean you're, you're yeah you're working by that point, and then that final one, that final three hundred meters is going to be bad. But then it's only three hundred meters. But that's it. But then you're done. Then I'm done exactly, and then I'm back office partying, <laughs> pie eating, etc. Good. Uh, yeah, all good. So shall we invite or shall we welcome our guest of the week? Let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio, guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone, could be an athlete. 
When Bella Mackey's marriage broke up, her mental health hit rock bottom. She started running to ease her anxiety and wrote a book about the experience. Jog On was published in 2018 and became an instant bestseller, inspiring people to take to the road and run to better mental health. Bella, welcome to the Runners Well podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I wanted to start at the beginning. Um, obviously, your book Jog On talks about running and mental health. Um, but when do you think you first started struggling with your mental health? Mm, early memory like five right. six yeah, okay. yeah yeah I think for lots of people it is a kind of childhood thing I mean obviously it can manifest at any age but I think it's quite common with things like anxiety and OCD to present in childhood so yeah mm. definitely I remember having those feelings when I was a kid but obviously not knowing what it was it's easier looking back to see that it was progressively building yeah it's it's funny when you when you tie up the pieces of the puzzle and you go oh that's what that was you know I didn't it wasn't that I couldn't breathe you know it wasn't that I was you know my mum used to call me like an anxious child right. you know or like a warrior yeah. um and then you realize oh no that was all gearing up like that's part of my you know my makeup is that I'm just a really anxious person um and I think quite a lot of people say to me when they get diagnosed with some you know whatever it is anxiety depression etc that they have this enormous sense of relief because at least they know what it is and it's not just this kind of thing that they've had in their mind for 10 15 years um and they know that it's a kind of actual actual thing so i think probably i felt a bit like that i wonder if parents struggle to diagnose or maybe reluctant to diagnose kids with mental health problems because it feels like wrongly that it might be you may have done something as a parent yeah definitely i think it's super hard work to know as well like you mm. just if your kid's anxious you just think oh, yeah and kids aren't good at articulating no. what that is so it's quite hard to pick up on I think if you're a parent and my mum the thing is I'm old so you know my mum <laughs> we're talking about the 80s so yeah. it's not there were no work you know I don't think that it wasn't like child psychology was so developed that they would have kind of been trained to spot that do yeah. you know what I mean mm. I think now I get I get lots of parents being in touch with me saying oh my kid's already been assessed and you know so they're much more on it I think parents and teachers whereas I don't think the conversation was developed enough back then for, for my mum so I don't blame my mum my mum yeah. blam- blames herself sometimes yeah. but I don't I don't think it was anything to do with them they did the best they could basically did you try to cover any of this stuff up were you kind of were you aware that maybe some of this behaviour didn't feel right and you were kind of ashamed of any of it oh yeah I think people with mental health stuff you know any anything get really good at keeping it a secret and so yeah definitely as a kid I had lots of weird behaviors you know there's kind of the typical OCD stuff you know like turning light switches on and off yeah I was big on that actually Yeah. yeah so all of those little things that you do as a kid that you think are kind of quirks and you definitely don't tell anyone because how would you explain to someone like mama I do this because I think you know if I don't you might die you know it's quite an odd thing to so and then into your adulthood you know I just got more and more adept at making excuses for things so it was like you know I wouldn't fly for a long time and that was me saying oh you know I just don't I don't enjoy holidays you know you sort of come up with these ridiculous things and I don't take the tube because you know it's gross and and sweaty which to be fair it is (laughs) but you know so I would just cover for myself rather than say you know, and in which case, I just made myself look weirder. Because if I just said, do you know what, this makes me scared, I can't do it. I sort of think that would have been more normal than me coming up with these kind of increasingly complex and ridiculous excuses for things. And in Jog On, your book, you, you reference your first marriage and the breakup of that. Was that sort of like the, a turning point? Was that an accumulation of these sort of like story, like these coverings of your symptoms? Or It's a really good question. I think... Getting to a point where I could get married felt like a really big thing for me because I thought that means I'm normal. Right. You know, like I'm normal. I'm hitting all the life goals that you're supposed to be hitting as an, you know, in your late twenties. Um, and so I thought, okay, great. You know, that means I can keep it together. And then on the flip side of that, I was actually sort of disintegrating. Not disintegrate. That's dramatic. But you know, I was kind of more anxious than I ever had been. 
Um, and so there's two things at the same time, obviously it amounted to like this sort of dreadful failure in the end. And then that was a huge relief because I just thought, okay, right, well, I've tanked everything. Um, I can start again. So it was really great. It was brilliant. Right. It was the best thing, you know, that ever happened to me really. But how cliched is that? <laughs> how, how bad did your anxiety become, Bella? Um, I guess, I don't know. It depends on how you look at it. For me, the worst thing was that I had like horrendously intrusive thoughts kind of, and they would come in periods and waves where I would have them for months and I would be so inconsolable that I'd just sit there crying all day long, arguing with these thoughts constantly, you know, getting into this kind of mad, not, you know, I wouldn't say delusional because I knew what was right and what was not real. But, you know, you feel completely kind of off your rocker. Um, so for me, that was the worst bit. But I think if you ask someone around me, they'd say, but you couldn't go to the end of the road without someone else. Or, you know, you were... You were unable. Everything was dangerous to me. So you know, like I, everything was unsafe, and I couldn't do anything without someone else. And so that was like a really infantilizing thing that I think from the outside was quite dramatic. But for me, it was definitely, you know, constant crappy thoughts going on and on and on. So there's essentially your world was kind of getting smaller. Tiny, yeah, 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 tiny. I remember taking my mobile to the recycling bank at the bottom of my road. And my ex-husband saying, what are you doing? You don't need to take your phone. And I was like, I do, because I might have a panic attack. So it was really like, you know, 30 steps away. And my world was that tiny. Before you found the running, were you, did you follow the route of prescribed medicines and all those sorts of things to try and counter it? Yeah, throughout my 20s, because I was really lucky and I'm, you know, I'm still really lucky in that I have a kind of middle class family who were able to, you know, financially support me and find out different paths for me. Because, you know, when I went to my local GP, who obviously is lovely, but, you know, he said, you know, prescribe me some very, very, very old fashioned sort of slightly sedative medicine and said there's a wait list of 18 months for therapy. And I just thought I will not last that long um so my parents took me to you know got me a nice therapist and I started taking antidepressants prescribed that were kind of a bit more up to date and not sedatives um so I'd done lots of things you know and I think especially you know with mental health stuff you quite often fall down other routes so you know you try kind of like calming teas and you know hypnotherapy music and whatever you know so you sort of try everything um and meds definitely help me I'm a huge proponent of meds for for mental health um, and therapy, mm. and then later on I found a very good therapist, but that sort of came at the same time as running. So those were my two kind of kryptonite things. Yeah. But I had tried lots of other things. And I think with running, because I'm obviously a huge evangelical about it, but I have to always do the caveat of do not just try running, <laughs> like yeah. go to the doctor. You know, there are there are steps first. You know, there are. I'm a big fan of experts. I don't think you should just try, you know, running to see, see if that will help on its own. Yeah, uh, Yeah, I think the idea that running is a kind of silver bullet that's going to yeah. cure everything. Yeah. Is, um... I'm not going with Paltrow. Like, I don't want to sell you <laughs> snake oil. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would like you to also yeah. try a lot of other things too. Yeah, I yeah. think that's a sensible approach. Um, do you remember your, your first run? I'm interested in, in what that would have been, what, what that would have been like for you. Were you kind of nervous about running when it started off? Yeah, I, so I don't, I don't really... So I, people ask me why I decided to go for a run and I don't remember because I was in a funk. Um, and... I remember the actual run, but I don't remember whether I felt nervous or, or what I felt, except that I know I was definitely embarrassed because I did it at night right. and I did it in an alleyway that was, you know, there was one cat there. Um, and I just kept going back there again and again at the beginning because I was too embarrassed. I think lots of people, when they go running for the first time, think people are going to oh, point yeah. and laugh and stop and just scream their heads off at how stupid I look. 
Um, and then you really quickly realize that it's a load of balls and that, you know, no one no one is looking at you. Everyone is on their phone. No one cares. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so for the first time, I was definitely embarrassed. And and I think I did three minutes um, and then I stopped. Yeah. <laughs> well, what was it that you thought, that, what, what was it that made you go back then? Yeah, again, it's then one of those things where I, I sort of don't know why I went back. I think it's because for those three minutes, I felt a bit less teary and, you know, a bit less focused on what was going on inside my brain. And I think that what running gives me, which I assume even at the beginning is, is something that I understood it might be able to offer, was basically the chance to get away, like run away. You know, I always say running is like a chance to run away, but you get to come home afterwards. Right. So I think it sort of broke me out of my brain a bit, even for three minutes. And and I thought, oh, I'll just try again. And also I think, you know, the other shallow motive, which, you know, if you're being honest, is I remember just thinking, well, screw you, you know, to my ex-husband, I'm going to be fit and hot and healthy and amazing, you know. And so there was probably both those elements to it, you know. But, um, but yeah, I kept going, which is very strange for me because I'm a huge quitter. I love quitting things. So, yeah, it's very weird. I think that we, the thing that we've, when we've discussed this previously mm. with other guests and about mental health and, and the, the, the fact that the running bit, obviously you get the chemical kick of like your endorphins and, and that sort of the brain balance and all those things. But I think the control was always a huge thing that people who were struggling with all sorts of external forces suddenly found that they were able to just do one thing that, that was theirs. And I think that's where the running kind of like separate from everything else. Like I can, I can control when I go. And how far I'm going to go. Yeah. And I think also you incrementally improve, you know, every run you do, which is different from, you know, learning a hobby like painting or something where you can't quite judge, you know, whether you're getting better at something or not. And with running, especially if you do something like Couch 5K, you're sort of making, hitting these goals and feeling really proud of yourself. And I think the other thing, and you know, I always say it's kind of maybe especially for women, but obviously for everyone is that it gives you this incredible sense of independence that for me as someone with like agoraphobia, I found just the most mesmerizing, intoxicating thing in the whole world. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. There's a great quote in um. Have you read Haruki Murakami? Yes, book? of course I have. And he says oh, one of the key questions people tell you or ask you when you're running is, "What do you think about when I run?" And he said, "Well, actually, I run to create a void. I run to not think about things." And you sound like someone who overthinks things. Like I, I think a lot of people with anxiety have that common trait. Do you? Is that a sentiment that you would sympathise with? I, I run to create a void. Absolutely, because there is something about 
I think, I mean, I, there's so many things about running that I bang on about, but one of them, I think, is when I was writing the book, I, re- I read a lot about dualism. So the idea, you know, the mind and the body being connected and and in the modern world that we've separated the two things out quite a lot. So, you know, we sort of see this, we see our minds as the kind of primary thing to be prized and our bodies as kind of vessels that carry along our minds. And and we forget, you know, how much the brain has an impact on the body and vice versa. And, you know, things like we get surprised when if we have flu, we feel sad. You know, of course, those things are incredibly connected or that I get psoriasis when I'm stressed out. And, and I always forget. I think, why have I got psoriasis all over me? So uh, that that disconnect is really interesting to me. So with running... Yeah, it was basically to get to get my mind out of the driving seat. So almost like my body was in control. My my brain was almost coming along for the ride, if you see what I mean. So mm. it was a really nice way of switching the priority and just going, actually, no, you know, you can come along, but you have to be quiet for a bit. Yeah, and do something physical. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have to concentrate on not falling over, you know, putting keeping my arms up, yeah. not, you know, wheezing, you know, <laughs> it, all of those things. It's kind of, it's an obstacle course and your brain is not. So it's quite, it's a bit like mindfulness or meditation. You know, the thoughts come in, but they also flow out. You're not, you can't, you don't have time or energy to grab onto them and kind of go, what does that mean? What does that, you know? Yeah. Because they've gone, you know, because then you're around a corner and they've gone. What was it that, that, had you run previously when you were younger? Was no. it something? It was just literally the one thing that you could do immediately. I was the most unfit person you've ever met in your life. I thought people that exercised were a bit odd. I spent my gym lessons at school smoking cigarettes in the local park. I, you know, it was just one of those, especially, again, for girls, I think, you know, at school, fitness is not taught as a kind of lifestyle thing. It's like, this is an hour to be endured playing netball or whatever it is. Mm. You know, none of you are going to do this professionally. Just just endure it. And I was always really bad at it. So once I finished school, I was like, I never have to do that again. Great, good, done. Um, so, yeah, I didn't do any kind of physical exertion. I mean, genuinely, honestly, at all. I mean, I think I had a gym induction once, then I went and got fish and chips. Um, but yeah, so it really was the first foray I'd had into kind of really getting into something physical. Yeah. yeah. Very strange, age 30. It's like a midlife crisis, but hopefully a bit too early. I think a lot of, I think a lot of runners who yeah. become very keen on it weren't sporty and come to it quite late. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's actually a study done recently, which we're going to talk about later, which is that... Um, there's an, a t- an age of 41 was touted as the mm. sort of cut-off point for people to... Oh, I saw that. And yeah. then The Guardian did a big piece saying, yeah. this is not true, you know, you should carry on. You yeah, can yeah. start at any age. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got loads of masters, like runners now, who are, you know, world record holders who started running in their, like, 50s and 60s. Because... Yeah, I met a woman the other day in her 60s who's who's running, like, ultra marathons and yeah. had yeah. only started six years ago. Yeah. It's very dispiriting to see stuff like that. Yeah, massively. Yeah. You say that you've become kind of evangelical about running. Mm. Um is that to the extent where, you know, if you know that somebody's struggling or you've got a friend and you propose running as a, as a solution? No, because I'm not insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope I'm not. I'm sure some people would disagree. But no. So with my friends and family, I have tried a little bit with some of them to mm. try and get them into running. But but if someone had done that to me, I'd have been like, oh, go away. Like, this right. is ridiculous. You know, you don't know me. You don't know my problems you know this is not going to help me so I don't evangelize running to people that I love because they know how much I love it and they know how much Mm. it's helped me so if they wanted to do it they would have done it do you know what I mean um my husband runs a lot my sister runs you know so I have there are people around me that sort of have taken it on board but but when people get in touch with me which happens a lot online and say you know I'm feeling like this, I'm feeling like that. And then I'll try and help them, you know, and running is always something I would suggest. Or walk, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be running, that's the thing. Yeah, I know yeah. I know we're here talking about running, but 
it really is any activity, physical activity. And for me, that's running. But for someone else, that might be swimming. And I'm just as happy when someone says to me, I'm not a runner, but I love, you know, I love swimming five times a week or whatever. And, and that's fantastic. Um, I think it's really boring, but, you know, that's fine. It's more about, yeah, using your body and, and, and sort of and getting, getting something out of that. I completely agree with you about walking. I think that's, we think that running is very accessible and, and I think that's true, but walking is the ultimately accessible thing, isn't it? Any, it's great. Any, almost anyone can go out for a, and walk for 10 minutes. Yeah, if you're lucky enough to be able-bodied and, you know, and you're feeling sort of stressed out or whatever, the first thing I would suggest is go for a walk because mm. actually running you have to build up, whereas walking, you know, you can just go out for an hour and it doesn't impact your sort of... Yeah, exactly. And they can be, they can be part of the same outing, can't they? You can walk for a minute, run for a minute. Yeah. You're into that, aren't you? Well, at the moment. <laughs> Are you doing like speed? I'm, no, I'm just injured. So oh. I'm just, whatever I can do that sort of resembles running is a tick. Yeah, it's fine. I went for a very hungover walk yesterday and I was like, this is training. This is fine. Yeah, this is still counts. It still counts. Yeah, exactly. Um, what does a typical running week look like for you now? If you're, if you're sort of, I guess, probably training for something? No, I never train for anything. Great. No. I'm not a I'm not a race runner. I'm not a personal best person. I'm a really crap runner, and I will probably never do anything you know anything worth meriting. But a typical week because I'm freelance now, so it's great, which means I just get to run for longer every day. <laughs> so I do about twelve or thirteen k a day um, in the mornings, and that sort of sets me up for the rest of the day. And I sort of try and do that regardless of what's going on. I get very crotchety if I not not very crotchety, but I do get a bit like. Mm, I haven't, you know, where's oh, my run today? I'm dreadful. Yeah, yeah. If I don't go out. I mean, I go mm. on my bike now, but like, I need that like, ah, I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. And I think the problem with with injury is I get lots of messages from people saying, better I've been injured for a month or three months or whatever it is. You know, my mental health has plunged because I'm so ratty and I don't have my outlet. And I think that is a real problem if you rely on one thing like running too much. You know, I think that's why, you know, if you're biking, that's great. If you have like a fallback or something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, otherwise, diversify. Yeah, I felt my knee twinging yesterday and I was like almost in paroxysm of panic like oh god yeah so so yeah I think every day I run which you know I know lots of people don't but I think some people say to me oh you know you must be doing a race and then I feel bad and then and then other people say you do 12k a day like how am I supposed to get to that and I'm almost like please just find your own sweet spot sure. you know what I mean like some people are ultra marathon mm. runners and I think they're balmy and also admire it but and some people you know run 5k twice a week and that's completely fine too it has to be kind of the level that you that yeah. you love and the level that motivates you to keep going because mm. otherwise you know if you're doing too much every every day or week or whatever you're just going to you're oh, going to you you? yeah, yeah you're just going to yeah. quit yeah. why would you you know and it sucks all the joy out of it it does exactly yeah yeah mm. how would you describe your state of mind now compared to when you started running oh it's completely different like honestly within within like 2 weeks of running i realized that if I, you know, I would push my limits, I would think, okay, well, if I've done five minutes, I can do one more road that I, I would normally not go down on my own. And then that would be fine. And then I'd, you know, do another road. And so running really honestly, I know it's ridiculous, but it it taught me not to be scared of things because I was like, oh, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm doing this and it's fine. I don't have time to panic. I'm... And then suddenly within kind of a month or whatever, I was running through central London, which, I, you know, I hadn't been to central London on my own for five, six, I don't know how many years, you know, that long. And and so and every time I did it, it reinforced this thing of like, you're fine. You know, this is good. You're proud of yourself, and and this feels lovely. So, so from that, I started doing other things that scared me because I was like, right, well, you know, I have to push myself. So I started doing other things, like I did, 
I mean, I was already flying, I think, by then, but I was doing things like, you know, getting in lifts, which I hadn't done before, and um, going away on my own, and trampolining, and no, not, it wasn't trampolining, that's not scary, <laughs> it was trapezing, Right, that, that was is. scary. Um, so I started doing all of these things, and now, and now that's kind of, my motto is, I have to do things if they scare me, and as a result, I haven't had a panic attack in like six years, and... And honestly, I think I'm as I'm as close to like yeah. not. That's that's like fantastic, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Like, that's amazing. Yeah. The only hard part of that is, and it's not hard. I mean, it's like you know, you're on a stable keel or whatever, and you have to remember that you know, of course, you can have dips and you know, periods yeah. of anxiety and all that stuff. And, but the only hard thing is knowing like you found this brilliant thing that helps you that much, and now you have to keep going. So even on the days, I think for some people, obviously, if you just said I can't be asked today, that's fine. I sort of feel like I don't have that option. I feel like I have to keep going you know obviously if I miss a day it doesn't matter yeah. but but really it's like okay you have to commit to this now because it's not it doesn't you don't you can't bank five years of it or six years of it and then go yeah. okay I'm done now yeah right so it is something I sort of now think I found it and now I have to really work hard to like to continue doing it as frequently as possible and sometimes I don't want to you know some yeah. runs you just think I hate this you yeah. know like today I sort of was like not enjoying this just not enjoying this round at all but you have to just keep going. Yeah. But, I mean, that's it's not the worst hardship in the world, but... No, there's worse things. Did you, did you make other lifestyle changes like um, not drink, not ha- not have caffeine, that kind of... Other stuff that can kind of create or, like, uh, exasperate anxiety? No. Right. <laughs> so it's just running. Honestly, I'm such a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an anti-wellness proponent. I'm not interested yeah. in, you know, eating, you know chicken without the skin on or I mean, I'm a vegetarian so I wouldn't do that anyway <laughs> but you know like I, I eat ice cream every single day after my runs I drink loads of Diet Coke I you know drink loads of wine um, I'm a really unhealthy person um, but who also runs who, every who day who also runs every day yeah, so, right. and did you see that other study that said running cuts your risk of yeah we're all fine yeah so yeah. I just thought well if I'm doing 12k a day then you know what I'm going to live to like 800 or something that's exactly it yeah science right we're yeah. all rule yeah. the world yeah. <laughs> it's just all of us running around everywhere <laughs> being really smart constantly yeah. yeah Bella thanks so much for coming on it's my podcast. absolute yeah. pleasure no, thank it's great, you really great to speak to you and we really appreciate you coming on thank you this is the Runner's World podcast. Yeah, great to speak to Bella just now. Yeah, absolutely. But we would, uh, we'd like to encourage anyone who identifies with the topics raised in this podcast to, to reach out for help if they need it. Um, Organisations who can offer support include the Samaritans, which is www.samaritans.org, or Mind, which is www.mind.org.uk. Um, and I think that if anyone relates to, to Bella's story, to use the opportunity to reach out and try and get some help. I, I mentioned a poll that had been uh, recently run, and you have more info. I do. So a recent poll suggested that people think they're too old to start exercising at 41. Right. No age. No age, yeah. So we, and we'd like to disabuse people of that um, notion. It is, of course, never too old to start exercising. No. Um, and in fact, another study found that runners who started training after 50, so significantly after 41, obviously, yep. um, were able to be as fast and as lean as peers who had been uh, running their whole lives. So the study looked at 150 older endurance uh, runners um, whose average age um, was 68. And wow, okay. <laughs> dividing them into early starters and late starters. Right. And the results showed that irrespective of whether people started you know, at 18 or 50, yeah. their body fat and muscle tone and actually athletic performance uh, was similar. Well, that's, so, that's, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. It's I mean, yeah, you can, be a great, you can be a great runner and start at 50, you know. Yeah. Oh, well, everyone just ignore 41. Yeah. And, uh, and just get on with it. Carry on, regardless of age. Yeah, get started. Let's go. 
So that brings us to the end of this week's Runners World podcast. A big thanks to our guest, Bella Mackey, and to you, of course, for listening. The Runners World podcast was recorded at Number 8 Studios in Soho and is available on Acast, iTunes, and all your favourite podcast apps. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a review and we will see you again next week. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.